If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I caught up with Brandon Smith and Richard Buckley, the iconic FIFA esports commentary duo who become known as the voices of FIFA esports. We spoke about how their FIFA esports commentary journey began three and a half years ago, how they feel to be known as the Martin Tyler and Gary Neville of FIFA esports, what commentating on FIFA esports is like compared to professional football, different commentary styles, their favourite commentary moments, working with Ian Wright and Julian Lescott, the future of esports, and so much more. Enjoy. Joining me uh, today is Brandon Smith and Richard Buckley, uh, the FIFA Esports commentary duo, or you can even call them the voices of esports, really. Uh, how are you both doing, guys? Are you okay? Very well, thank you, Nathan. Thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. How are you doing, Brandon? you okay? Yeah, very, very well indeed, Nathan. Um, long time coming and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to chatting today. Yeah, me too. Uh, I must say, it is, it is very strange kind of hearing your voices because they're so recognisable. I mean, it's kind of tricked my brain into thinking I'm watching some sort of Twitch stream stream or something as I'm as I'm hearing it but your voices are so intertwined with FIFA esports um and the, the massive campaign around that how does that make you both feel that your your voices are so well known in that community I mean listen to millions of times really it's a um it's sort of an honor really when people say they sort of put um text alongside like Spencer Rowan and then Richard and Brandon as sort of like the the people if you were to encapsulate FIFA esports it's like Spencer doing the presenting me and Brandon on the commentary and like MS Desari or Tex playing the game it's um it's very much a, a privilege but I think we've been doing it coming up on three and a half years now within FIFA esports I'm sure we'll get into the journey but it's uh it's a, something that we've continue to improve we're always improving and for people to put us at that sort of pedestal it's a it's a big honor and how about you brandon how does it make you feel to know that your voice is so recognizable in the industry yeah it's sort of been an absolute whirlwind to be honest with you Nath. i think we'll talk about it more about our story shortly but for us it's never been the case of wanting to to be you know the guys wanting to do this it was a case of we just wanted to commentate on as much fifa esports as we possibly could and we made it our job and our sort of goal to, to go around and commentate on as many events as possible and to sort of solidify ourselves a place within this esport and we sort of came in at the right time when ea really started to back competitive fifa when if you're a fifa esports fan and you're listening you think back to sort of FIFA 17 where Rocky and Shell was playing that big final out in Berlin where they there was $160,000 for the winner which Rocky won and that was sort of the first real year that EA were like okay we're going to push FIFA esports and we sort of got in at the right time so 
of course there's a bit of luck along the way and everyone needs a little bit of luck but one thing that we've always had is hard work and determination and again of course we absolutely love what we do and and i'm really grateful and fingers crossed we can continue to do it for many many more seasons of fifa and and many many more fifa e-world cup finals like you said, Richard, I mean, you've only been doing it for like three and a half years, but you're already kind of known as the Martin Tyler and Gary Neville of FIFA Esports. It's it's amazing um, in terms of how far you've come. But let's just go back to the start then. Where did it all start for you both as, as a commentary duo? So my sort of story to start with, I started doing radio when I was about 15, 16 years old back in Barnsley. That's where I'm originally from. And I was doing a Saturday sports show, a local radio station, uh, between one and five, I wanted to be on TalkSport, Five Live. That was the, the sort of the dream job when I was younger. So I was just getting experience speaking, getting experience sort of running a show, taking phone calls, interviewing people, the whole sort of nine yards, really. And then I saw a, a, a TV advert. I didn't want to go to university. I saw a TV advert for the university that I ended up going to, to in the end in Manchester. I went there. Uh, started studying multimedia sports journalism. Still, the the only reason I went was because I wanted to meet like-minded individuals who had a passion for journalism, whether that be um, traditional press, whether that be social media, sort of a, a press officer or social media reporters, or on radio, on TV. So went to university, um, met Brandon. We didn't really have too much in common when we first met, but one of the 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 first things really that we sort of chatted over was FIFA. He, he came to my flat and uh, he, he introduced himself as a professional FIFA player. Came in, we uh, we played a few games, I beat him, and I was like, oh, I, 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 could, I could do this. If, if he's a professional player, I, I can certainly play as well. Um, and so that's where the friendship started. We, we started doing a, a podcast together, which you can still find somewhere on the internet uh, from four, four years ago. Um, and that's when we got an opportunity through one of Brandon's mutual friends um, to commentate on a league called the Celtic Esports League. We we took that opportunity. We commentated, um, I think it was about 10 hours a week and we ended up getting about £1.30 an hour. I think that's what it worked out of. But we just wanted to, we wanted to work. We just wanted to commentate. It were a hobby at the end of the day. And then one tweet later, Brandon gets a tweet from somebody that he knows saying, you should enter this competition. It's called the Commentators Cup. And uh, that's where it all started, Brandon. Yeah, it did. I mean, Richard always loves talking about that story every time he beat me at a game. Of <laughs> um, and to be honest, I've not had much luck since that day in terms of when we play against each other. He normally always comes out on top. Um, but no, I think what Richard said, we were just both like-minded individuals in terms of that we both wanted to get a degree in journalism. And I think one thing that no one really understands or forgets is that the job that we do, you know, the job that you do, Nath, like although you're writing about FIFA or we're commentating about FIFA, at the end of the day, it's still journalism uh, for what we're doing. You know, we're making news, we're, we're commentating, so to speak, on these tournaments and these events. And when we just met each other at university, we sort of just just sort of clicked. So I remember sort of commentating with Richard for the first time on that Celtic Esports League, which is a great opportunity for us. And like I asked Richard this stat about Ronaldo and he came back to me saying that he's got this much pace, this much shooting, this much heading accuracy. And I was like, Jesus, this man knows everything about the game. Um, and it, and it just sort of worked like a lot of people don't know the commentary duo, how it works in terms of 
you have a play-by-play -play commentator, which many would know as a Martin Tyler, and you have a color commentator, which many would sort of know as Gary Neville or an ex-pro or a pundit, which will come in and just give you that color in terms of why a player's done that, why, you know, what's going through his mind. And Richard's sort of that color commentator in our duo and I'm the play-by-play. -play, so I take most of the goals and um, Richard just adds that value, that color, who's got a weak foot, who's got a five-star skill moves and, and why they've done a certain trick and, and so forth. So yeah, we, we, we really have sort of worked on how we wanted to, to commentate on FIFA Esports because we came into it uh, at a time where there was, of course, the likes of uh, Joe and Demon doing it, um, who are, are sort of legendary commentators in terms of doing a lots of esports, a lot of success in League of Legends, carried the FIFA e World Cup for many, many years. And we sort of came in and was like, we need to sort of just try and create our own style. And that's one thing that I think we did really well. We created our own style of commentary and since then, we've had the likes of Onset and Gaskin uh, cast on FIFA as well, two exceptional commentators too. And I think just everybody is just moving this eSport in the right direction. I think there's been so much work that's happened behind the scenes with, with EA, you know, understanding the, the landscape of the global series, players understanding what they want. And I think slowly but surely, we, we are moving in the right direction. I think last year we had, even though we didn't have a FIFA eWorld Cup on FIFA 20, we had like 3 million in, in prizing across you know, the year, which is a huge improvement. People forget that back in like, what, 2016, we had £20,000 or $20,000 a year in the FIWC. Like that is all you won. And that was your biggest tournament of the year. Now we've got multiple tournaments. So that text won $100,000 in the E-Champions League earlier this year. So things have changed. And I think people sometimes need to sit back and appreciate, right, we are in a journey. We are still in a huge transitional sort of era. Um, we are getting bigger and bigger step by step. And you just think about FIFA, like just it's so big. So many people watch it. So many people play it. So many people love football. And um, I just feel like it's such a unique sort of eSport. Yeah, and you two have been there right along the way, really kind of riding the wave of the of the FIFA success. Um, did either of you envisage commentary when you went to uni? Because I know, Richard, you mentioned about going to journalism and things. Is that something that either of you were interested in from the beginning? Um, I, I think Brandon probably more so. Um, I was just wanting... I always listened when I was younger, probably from the age of 12 to, I would say, 17, 18, um, talks more on drive. And it was Adrian Durham, who people either love him or hate him, very opinionated, but always got reaction from people. And also Darren Goff, who is from Barnsley. So I thought the one thing that I always got told when I was younger that would hold me back with my accent, if Darren Goff is on national radio, between four and seven every single day at arguably the busiest time for a national radio station, there's no excuse then for me to hold it back. So commentary, probably not so much, but I think certainly talking and um, airing my opinions, airing my thoughts on things is what I wanted to do. And if you do listen to FIFA Esports commentary, um, especially when me and Brandon do it, there is commentary being done, but it's probably more of a conversation, more of a discussion, the way that I sort of bring up conversations and um, add sort of banter and all that sort of thing to the to the commentary. It is a commentary because we're commentating on the game, but it's not like a real-life football match. It's a, it's a video game. So probably I would say more of the time because we're doing a production and it's the entire thing streamed, we, on average, might be talking to a camera either filling time, talking to horse, interviewing players, more than we're actually 
commentating the match itself. So you're probably less of more of a commentator, more of a presenter, analyst and commentator all rolled in one. Definitely multifaceted. And I wanted to just touch on what you said there in terms of the, the co-commentary, if you like. Because not, not many people realise just how different kind of the main uh, commentator is from the co-commentator because Brandon's there to do the play-by-play. But you can't just repeat what Brandon said because you're bringing nothing to the table. So your job is completely different because you've got to bring you've got to bring a completely different aspect and angle to the game. Um, how, how is that something you've dealt with over the last few years? Yeah, so when I first started, I was very stat-heavy. It was um, telling you why a certain shot's gone in. Brandon would tell you, great finesse shot from the edge of the box. That's his seventh goal of the game, whatever. I would tell you why it's gone in, what shot type he's chosen to execute the shot, if it's missed, what he should have done better, why should he have done that better, and how he improved playing a hell of a lot of FIFA. I've probably racked up, I would say, close to a thousand hours on FIFA 20, a thousand hours on FIFA 19, just playing the game, playing different game modes, playing with different people from around the world. I've played against Americans in, in Bad Connection. I've played with a lot of Scandinavian players. I've played with a lot of European players, learning different play styles, always trying to educate myself and then trying to bring that into the FIFA commentary as well. I think the, the big thing that I always remind myself the job that I am there to do Brandon's there to hype up the goals to make people excited and to give you the the moments I'm there to educate I'm there to tell the viewer something that they didn't already know whether that's a story from a pro player that's behind the curtain that you might not have seen whether that's inside analysis on players from the pro players themselves what they've told me how they're going to play or whether that's just knowing and watching the game from a different perspective, watching it from a more logical perspective, watching it trying to break down the real intricate moments. And it's it's a lot of um, hard work that goes into it. I've gone through two notepads this year on FIFA 20 on its own, taking down stats, score lines, trying to find patterns in play, all that sort of thing. It's um, it's very much I'm, I'm trying to educate the, the viewer I'm sure some people just think that you must rock up to games and just start talking about a FIFA game that you're watching, but it's obvious that there's so much work goes in behind the scenes in terms of what you do. Um, and Brandon, I just wanted to pick up on something from yourself as well. I, I read in an interview that you, were, I don't know if you still do this, but you used to look at like thesauruses after a game to learn different adjectives and stuff and, and learn how to phrase things slightly differently and just to improve initially. Um, how important is that to get right? I don't know if that was Rich. That might have been me. I mean, Rich loves a thesaurus some now and then. Um, <laughs> in terms of, uh, of that point in general, I think that's one thing I'd love to do. If I could have a bigger vocabulary, I'd, I'd, I'd snap that any day of the week. I think one thing that I struggle to do, and I'm sure many people will know it, like where the game goes through different stages. FIFA 19, I was just known for on the finesse because every single goal was on the finesse. Um, it is hard to sometimes not sound repetitive. When we commentate on, you know, this year, we probably commentated on a good full team plus events um, on FIFA 20 in terms of online ones, Summer Cup Series, last year when we were actually at events, E-Club World Cup, Foot Champions Cup 1 and 2. You just naturally, you, you, when, and when you've got the same people scoring the goals, Ronaldo, uh, R9 Ronaldo, that is, uh, Cristiano playing, like the same teams normally, you've got about 70% of that team normally will stick sort of throughout the whole year. Of course, when Team of the Season comes out, Team of the Year teams slightly will change. But 
it is difficult not to sound sort of repetitive and I do worry about that sometimes like occasionally we'll have a commentary and we'll be like uh, I don't know if that was great or oh, I don't know if that was good and I think towards the end of the year it is sometimes more difficult to to really sort of keep piping up because the game cycle although we always build up to an e-world cup final normally like the game's always sort of hit its sort of like maximum potential in terms of everyone's sort of finished playing it there's maybe not as much interest in the game um in the FIFA competitive year yes there's still a couple more tournaments to be played and, and and we need to find out who's going to be the world champion for that year but it's, it's definitely takes a skill and it definitely you're always looking for angles you're always looking to try and find what can i how can i approach this differently and to try and keep this exciting which we always try and do to the best i wanted to ask as well about the big moments so obviously in football you've got the these iconic moments haven't you in there intertwined with what the commentator says obviously you've got the aguero the martin tyler that's going to live long in the memory how aware are you of those big moments and how aware are you of i've got to get this right what i say now because this could be played millions and millions of times over i'm talking like e-world cups for example the final it's to be honest, from my side of it, you can't plan it. You never know what's going to happen, but you don't. You, you can never plan what you're going to say. Like, I remember I was on Twitter the other day, and uh, a, a player called Fabio Danuso signed for Team Clash, an Italian organisation. And I think it was in our sort of second season of commentary on FIFA. It was at the playoffs in Amsterdam. Basically, the line was like Danuso is in London, like, and because London were the grand finals, and Danuso won sort of in the last minute of extra time. But I can't explain to you. Like, you, sometimes you know if it's a big. Or if you know, sometimes you don't know if it's going to be as big of a moment as you think it is. But uh, for me, personal favourites for me and Richard has got to be that goal that Tuga scored in the E Nations Cup. Not this year, obviously we didn't have a tournament this year, but last year, uh, one of the most incredible sort of close closures to the group stage I think it was it was unbelievable it was like a free kick played short it was in the 2v2 game mode which already brings up as, uh, so much passion and desire um, and just those big reactions and it was him and Rastarata Tuga and Rastarata against uh, the Aussies of, of Marco and um, called Marcus Gomes and as much as we love those boys and uh, we got a lot of respect for them it was just such a good game and for me like that, for me that's some of my favourite moments I don't know about you Rich what, what one stand out for you yeah just what you were saying there Nif about the, the big moments um, it, it's interesting from my perspective because I'll be watching the game and I know for example if you listen to all those big moments it's all Brandon and that's because I know I need to get out of the way I need to take a step back that's the moment. And then afterwards, that's when I can come in with, for example, on the, the clip that Brandon was talking about, the news always in London, Brandon says that line, that's the punchline. And then I think I come in with something like, if that's not poetic justice, I don't know what is. And it's just the knowing from my perspective that I've got something to say after whatever Brandon said, that's equally got to be either as emphatic or as sort of up there in energy as what he has just said, because if Brandon says the news always in London and I just come in with something super monotone, like, yeah, another great goal and that sends him into the grand finals, it sounds rubbish. So it is <laughs> yeah. constantly trying to play off the back of each other. And a lot of those goals that go in in the 90th minute, match-winning goals, equal cup winning moments, I will always just try and get out of the way. Brandon, that's the time where that's the the moment that he takes and then I'll come in with something afterwards. Mo Alba, another great example where Mo Alba won it. Brandon had the call 
that's what his job is. That's the call that he does. And then I came in afterwards with um, something talking about um, how proud the agency will be, the team that he's supporting um, and the the club that he's representing, all that sort of thing. So it is, there is a, a science to it, even if sometimes that you might not realise um, that goes into it. That's really interesting. So it's not it's not always about what you say, it's when you say it as well. The moment of when you say it can be so important, like you said, when when to stay quiet and just let the moment breathe if you like. Yeah, I mean look, if think back to that Aguero moment when when Aguero scores the goal, Martin Tyler's talking, if Alan Smith's jumping on top of it, Aguero's in, Aguero's in, it <laughs> ruins the entire um sort of it, it ruins the moment. It ruins it entirely. So it is important. You'll see it in real football. Now I've, now I've said it to you. Whenever Martin Tyler is, the ball gets near the box, Gary Neville takes a step back. Unless there's a big mistake, a penalty call, and he'll chip in with, oh, that's not a penalty or a, a sound. That's something that we've we've done in the past where if it is a, a great goal, I'll come in with sort of like, oh, or uh, something to heighten it even more. But yeah, it's certainly... Um, it's not fluke that all of the moments that are the, the replayed moments are all Brandon. <laughs> Just trying to compare it with football, if you like, how different is it commentating on FIFA esports to a normal football match, for example? Because I'm, I'm guessing FIFA esports is just so much faster in terms of the pace than normal football. Um, I mean, Gary Neville and Martin Tyler sometimes just have a chat, don't they, while the ball's just in the midfield, whereas you can't really afford to do that, I suppose, in FIFA esports, can you? Because it's so fast-paced. It is really tough, and I think one of the things that is even more tougher as you may have seen recently we've had we've been lucky enough to have a lot of pros sort of come into the commentary box during different times over the last couple of years and even more so in the summer cup series um i think i got to commentate of alan avi richard got to commentate of gorilla and for a lot of these guys fantastic insight knowledge fantastic at sort of helping out but it's tough for them because unless you've been doing it for quite a while you don't realize how sort of in and out you have to be for example like if we want to have a conversation me and richard that ball has got to be either out of the out of the pitch at half time or the ball has got to be in the middle of the park and it's got to be a snappy conversation because as soon as that ball goes forward i either need to take over the reins and, and commentate a potential goal otherwise someone ends up scoring and there's just no there's no reaction to it you know and it and it and it, it doesn't sound so great so it's a real tough skill to, to manage it so what i'd say to your question is it's so much faster in my opinion it's so much more exciting because you can have 10 men and you can still win you can be three nil down and still pull back a game and win four goals three um so those are sort of my main points and i think we all sit here as people involved in esports and people go well why would you want to watch fifa well at the end of the day, it's just football played in a completely different way at a completely different speed, and you get to use like pretty much your dream team at the end of the day. When you when you're gonna whenever where else are you gonna see Ronaldo and Azario on the pitch with Messi, with Neymar, with Mbappe, with Rudhulet, with Vieira, the list goes on. Just going on the back of that, speaking about the floor of the games, um, we got the opportunity last year after the Champions League final to commentate the PlayStation FC Cup final, which was a match between Yaya Torre and Andrea Pirlo. They were the captains and it was a group of YouTube and Twitch and uh, social media influencers with Yaya Torre and I think Luis Garcia against Pirlo and uh, Morientes and then uh, another group of content creators. And we commentated the entire 90 minutes 
And that was the first ever time that we, me and Brandon had commentated together on a game of football rather than FIFA. And it was so much more relaxed because I had time to expand my points. We had time to, to laugh and to joke. We didn't have to... I didn't have to make a point and be constantly looking where the ball's going to put a full stop on my sentence. It was very much, you could see the ball building up. It were, granted, it was about 35 degrees as well at pitch side. So the, the pace of the game was quite slow. But we, we, we got so much more time to, to talk and to develop thoughts and to develop conversation points. But in FIFA, I think the reason that we enjoy it so much, it's fast-paced, it's quick, and you do get the moments you get the big energetic sort of um, key moments and moments that are going to be remembered. And I think that's why when people ask us, oh, would, are you doing this to get into football? No, we're doing it because we enjoy commentating FIFA. This might sound like a really stupid question, but like how I'm just thinking, how important is concentration in what you do? Because like you've just mentioned, if you switch off for a second, you might miss the the big moment in the match, and you've got to be absolutely at it for the entire game. You can't just relax because, like you said, something might happen. Um, are you absolutely knackered after games because you've been concentrating so much? Yeah, we are. I mean, it's one of the things that. I think both of us, we picked up very, very early. As soon as you put that headset on, as soon as you step into the commentary booth, the phone goes away. Everything goes down. You've got to focus on the game because when you do make a mistake, the people who are watching aren't casual football fans. They're keen FIFA players. They play a weekend league. They watch the pro players. They watch Twitch streams. They watch YouTube content. They're going to know if you've made a mistake in what you're saying. So you not only have to give the um, commentary to highlight the game, but you also have to give the commentary to live it up to the fans as well because they're expecting a certain level. And myself and Brandon know that level that we expect to hit. And he said it in the in previous point, when we don't commentate up to that level, we are both disappointed. And we've had many a conversation where we've been like, tomorrow we need to pick it up. We need to be better tomorrow. What about you, Brandon? Are you are you just like knackered after every commentary session? Because like like I said, you've got to be on it, haven't you, for the whole time? I think one thing that that, that we definitely did in the, in the first couple of events, I think that one of them was sort of you remember the Champions Cup Barcelona, where Tech sort of jumped onto the scene. DH Tech at the at the time, sixteen years of age, just wonder kid, was just being too excited too early on, you know, not building up the excitement over sort of day one to day three. Day one is that group stage day where at times I was sort of trying to go at the same speed, the same excitement, the same passion, which of course would sound great, but you need to understand as a commentator and I think the viewers home that, yes, you want to get engaged their attention, but you've got to do it in the right way. It's all right echoing as, as loud as you can and, and calling all the games um, uh, with, with, as, with as much passion as you can. But I, I think back then I, I did I did feel a bit tired sort of day three when I didn't have much more to give in terms of, of commentary. I think I, I couldn't go any higher. I had to go lower um, with, with the tone of my voice. Um, but you pick it up, you know, you learn. We're always learning. I mean, that's one thing that we've, we've done as a commentary duo. We've learned so much from sort of presenting yourself on screen. That's one of the, the, the harder skills to learn. Sort of, you know, you, you, you're speaking down a camera which feels very weird and, and peculiar but you, you're actually addressing like potentially up to 50,000 people maybe more if you're on TV so it's um, just as Richard said you, you've got to sort of accumulate all these skills across sort of being a presenter a commentator a host you know we're lucky to do a, a great deal of work with PlayStation um, 
they're really involved in competitive FIFA and they've been a real driving force behind FIFA Esports in the last couple of years. And we have our own sort of podcast style show there called Crossbar. Um, and that, again, just, just completely asks a, a huge different range of skills out of us. It's not really commentating, it's presenting and interviewing a guest and speaking about the latest news that's happening in the, in the pro circuit and in FIFA 20, FIFA 21. So we're just... I think for us now, like we love commentating, but we're, we're we're up for different challenges. Like if we could get, if we can get a FIFA podcast, let's just say a, a proper hardcore FIFA esports podcast or a different FIFA show, we'd love to do that. I think we're just very keen just to to be busy and to to try and help develop the esports as much as we can. I know we talked about memorable moments before, but I've got to say from a, from a personal point of view, I think one of my favourite moments was when, uh, I think it was at Football Zone actually, like the tournament you mentioned, when um, Tex did three Alaskos in a row and scored with Neymar. Um, yeah. And that felt like a massive moment at the time. And did it feel like a big moment for you then? Yeah, so I, I think the, the, the tournament that you're thinking of is the... Um, Atlanta foot Championship. Oh, Atlanta, of course, year. yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, we, we were actually the same as you. We were watching that at home. Um, we didn't get the opportunity to go out to Atlanta, but I remember watching that goal that Tex scored and it was just sort of like, wow, this kid is is different. He's built different. Um, the, the stuff that Tex is doing and was doing and still is doing to this day, he's going to come back to FIFA 21. And I think if you look back in history, he's looking to win the first tournament of the year in FIFA 21 for the fourth year in a row. FIFA 18, FIFA 19, FIFA 20, FIFA 21. If he wins the first tournament of the year, the first foot cup, he will be just making history. And he's so young as well. He's uh, an incredible FIFA player. But with, as we said earlier, with that incredible moments, the commentary has to be immaculate because it's going to be replayed. It's going to be remembered. And people don't want to be muted when, they, uh, when these moments are going in. The one event you two don't commentate is the one that I pick out. Isn't that? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that just no. the way it goes? How embarrassing. We, we we try and be everywhere we can, but I think sometimes we say to ourselves, we can't do everything as much as we'd love to. Um, and that's just the way the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh, let me just ask as well about, uh, obviously you've been doing it three and a half years now and you, you've gone from being students to being two of the most recognisable voices in, in esports and, and FIFA esports in general. How have you dealt with that in terms of the the kind of fame, if you like, the social media? I know you both started like streaming and stuff as well on Twitch. How have you found that change? Has that been a bit weird as well? To be honest, I really wouldn't say sort of fame as much, like because in the nicest way, we're sort of like a really small minority of, of like sort of an industry in terms of FIFA esports. Like, I, I I never know who watches FIFA esports. Like the thing that one of the things that we love to do, and I'd say that's one thing that we really do enjoy, is we, we cover a lot of virtual leagues. So we, we cover the E Serie N, which is in Norway. We cover the E Superliga, which is in Denmark. The El Svenskan in Sweden. The Eredivisie, or should I say the E Divisie, in in the Netherlands when you go to those events and you've got all these like-minded people um, who sort of love FIFA esports then you see people like oh it's Brandon and Richard blah, 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 blah. and to, to even to even be sort of pointed out or someone to come say hello to you is an absolute honour there because at the end of the day we're FIFA fans we love FIFA we play FIFA as you probably see in our own streams we play a lot of weekend league Richard again 
better than me at it. Um, but we, you know, we're just FIFA fans at the end of the day. And the fact we can call this even a job is absolutely bonkers. So in regards to fame, I don't think there really is any fame. Um, we just, we just are in a very privileged position. I think uh, less fame and more the sort of um, just the opportunities and the sort of scenarios that we find ourselves somehow in at times. Um, the, the one that was quite recent that really stood out to me was we were commentating the Stay and Play Cup, and I'm sure Brandon will, will, will laugh about this as well, and it was the, the final of the Stay and Play Cup. It was between, oh, let me think, uh, Copenhagen won it, but I can't remember the team they were playing. I think it was a, a Swedish team. It was two professional footballers, so Michael Dorami, who plays for FC Copenhagen, is a striker, who went on to win the tournament, and we got a message probably five minutes before the final start saying, guys, Ian Wright's going to join you on the commentary for this game. We were like, oh, Okay, it was literally five ten minutes before the game started. Ian Wright comes on, and it was an absolute blast. I'm not an Arsenal fan. I'm I was too young to watch Ian Wright play. I've I've never seen him play football. Um, I only know him sort of from his punditry and watching back highlights and whatnot. But it was so fun and um, one of the best moments. Me and Brandon both wearing blazers for the final and. At half time, we just go to Ian Wright. We go, Ian, where's the blazer, mate? Get the blazer on. He comes back in the second half and he's wearing a full blazer. And it was just so good. It, it was so fun. It, it was a really sort of good atmosphere and good time. And it's those scenarios where you're in situations with people that you might not think you're ever going to be in with. And it just turns out to be a, a real blast. And a, a story off that, I sort of tweeted that moment on Twitter and somehow, luckily, bag myself a follow back of Ian Wright I drop him a message saying I've got it here in front of me I've literally just loaded that up because I still can't believe it happened I just went brilliant stuff today Ian really enjoyed that thanks for making it a special night of FIFA he replied two minutes later saying cheers B I loved it great fun thanks for having me stay in touch and take care of yourself and your family I mean what a guy that man is he called you B he just said cheers, cheers B. B I'm like Ian I'll, I'll be you mate you're on first letter terms with Ian Wright. Not even first name. You're on first yeah, letter terms. The way I could describe it is there's a lot of footballers out there that get involved in FIFA esports or get pulled in for these FIFA events. And in the nicest way, some want to be there, some don't want to be there. And I can't describe like how, as a pundit for those, you can often get people that just give you those sort of simple answers. They know what's coming out. Like, I can't, like, Ian... Right, was was given so much more than that. Like, yeah, he was just given more. I think the two that stand out for me, I'm sure you agree, Brandon. If anyone else comes to mind, shout up Ian Wright and Jolyn Lescott. We've worked with Jolyn uh, numerous times, and both of them two guys so down to earth. Jolyn Lescott's reached out a number of times to both myself and Brandon, saying, um, so like. I'm looking to maybe to get into the scene. Let's have a call. Um, he, he mentioned I'm, I'm friends with someone else from Man City, um, Kyle Walker, and he, he was saying, let's go out for dinner sometime. I'm like, Jolly, you're a top lad. But yeah, Jolly Lescott, Ian Wright. You're a Premier League winner. <laughs> just, you're just dro dropping names here, guys. Absolutely just dropping the names. Oh, well, we sound so big time. We're really, not. We're really not. You've just spent the last 10 minutes, Brandon, arguing you're not famous, and then you're just dropping these Ian Wright, Julian Lescott. I generally showed my dad that. 
that day. Yeah, he's on he, WhatsApp. My dad was absolutely like, <laughs> he was loving it more than me. I was just like, just such a nice guy. Like, you know, you look how, Matt's got like 1.8 million followers on Twitter, achieved so much in the game, you know, does so much in terms of TV work and media work. And the fact he still has time for, to, to sort of have those interactions with people, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And um, just, yeah, completely sort of new level of respect for him. And what were they like with the FIFA stuff? What did they bring to the, the broadcast? So, Jolian's a big FIFA player. Um, he plays weekend league. He backs himself as the best player when he were at Man City. Um, so, he's very much... Um, he, he understands the game. But we always try and tap into sort of the elite mentality. Whenever we're working with a professional athlete, we... We've interviewed a few footballers in the past during the E-Premier League event. And um, it was very much uh, the E-Premier League Invitational. And we always ask about the mentality, talking about what's it take to to be at the very top? How do you maintain it? Um, because there's only 0.01% of players who are Premier League professional footballers in the world population. So if you get 20 minutes with... Ian Wright, you're asking, how do you handle your nerves? What do you do in this situation? Very much, you're not talking about his own career because it's not what they're there for. They're there to provide expert mental, I think more than the actual game itself, analysis on how to be a top player, how to deal with nerves, how to sort of keep calm. And um, yeah, the, the preparation more, the mental side of the game. I think we, we tend to focus on more rather than the in-game stuff because the in-game stuff we can talk about yeah that's really interesting because I mean we've touched on it in a, a few of our previous episodes in terms of you do get people don't you that are really down about esports and it's just people playing games and it's not really like a serious thing but I mean the, the common kind of element throughout this podcast talking to different athletes and um, talking to different esports players from a variety of different games is yes they're talented and they put practice in but the thing that's separates the elite players from good players is the same thing that happens in any other sport and that's their mentality because that in, a, in any sport if you look at football golf tennis the best player doesn't always win the most talented player doesn't always win it's about who's best prepared for it who has the best mentality and who's in the right frame of mind and that's the same in FIFA esports isn't it 100% you know look at Tex for example like how that guy dominated FIFA 19 like he did Yes, he didn't win an E-World Cup and he was absolutely gutted that he didn't get further. But if anything, that was a burnout factor for everything he did. The man was winning everything. E-Premier League, five major tournaments, including Foot Champions Cups, E-Club World Cup. Like The man was just everywhere. And like I think he broke a world record as well in terms of the most global series points accumulated he still holds the record I think it's like over 10,000 you know that was back in last year and he did the exact same again this year where in his eyes he probably wanted to have a better season than he did he won the Champions League just a just a small amount of $100,000 and also won um, a Foot Champions Cup as well on top of that would have would have really wanted to, to win the the E-Premier League unfortunately couldn't get as far as he wanted to there but it's just been a completely different and a challenging year for everyone but that's the, that's that's a player's mindset I'd love to get inside of Texas because just how dominant he was on FIFA 19 is like no one has showed that sort of dominance in terms of quality other than sort of Bruce Granick a long time ago Alfonso Ramos talking about sort of veterans and legends of the FIFA esports scene where there wasn't as much players out there there wasn't as many players playing and there wasn't as much money involved um but it's just for him to dominate like he did I think he's deserved and earned so much respect from everybody 
do you ever have them conversations where you have to explain what you do and the person doesn't really get get what and you have to kind of explain it do you ever have those those situations yeah many a time um if it's a young person they tend to understand it more even if they don't even if they they sort of don't understand what it is they get the the premise behind it because gaming is such a, a global phenomenon especially in this sort of younger demographic um but for the the older generation i just say i, I work in i work in fifa i don't even try <laughs> and get into it yeah. um one of one of <laughs> mine and brandon's favorite things to do um <laughs> is um say we're in an right. uber richard's favorite thing to do sometimes you get a little bit of conversation flowing and they ask you, oh, what are you doing? Because you might be driving to, to Wembley Stadium to do some filming. You might be going to a football ground to, to do a commentary there. You might be going to an arena. So they often ask, oh, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, professional footballer. Professional footballer. Play for the, uh, <laughs> play for the under 23s, mate. I, I mean, look at me. Oh my God. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm, not in shape. He, he said it once before and I just couldn't look at him in the eyes again. <laughs> But it is it is interesting though in terms of general esports what what you just said, Rich. I mean, especially during this such a difficult time this year, it's been mental yeah. for everything that's happened. But I think one of the few things to come out is the the emergence of esports in terms of into the absolute mainstream, and more people are noticing it, more people are taking notice, more people are playing than ever before. What would you say to people who say, "Oh, esports is just like a, a fad, and it's just I, I don't understand." why people would watch it like what what would you say to those people just say look how many people are watching it genuinely like you know it's, it's absolutely ridiculous like i'm i'm in a, a very fortunate position where I'm, I'm currently working with a university of chichester so they they offer an esports degree which is over three years and i have a lot of these questions as well when you've got parents coming to these open days and saying you know why does why does you know why should my son go and study esports or why should my son want a career in esports and there's just such a stigma about it in terms of just everything people just doubt it because people don't think it's a normal job or it's a it's a, it's a normal industry which in some ways yeah it's not normal but look where we are right now in the, in the in the century that we currently are in and everything's so digital and everything's so big no one's really of our age group really reading newspapers anymore no one's really all listening to the radio. We listen to podcasts. We have iPlayers. We have Netflix. We have Twitch. And to be honest, Twitch is like TV now for us and our age group. Twitch is that TV place. We don't go and really watch BBC and, and, and other channels every day as maybe we would have before. Our age group is just different. And to, I think, as you'll see, there's more brands suddenly coming across now that want to just have a little sort of chunk of this pie because us as a demographic is are not doing the same things that everybody used to do everyone's on social media youtube people want different careers and with the money that's involved in esports you hear about it people come and involve the sponsors you see the money that's up the grabs you know fifa has a three million dollar prize over the year which is still a lot of money but you see Fortnite backing out 30 million in a Fortnite world cup there's reasons why there's money's being pumped into it it's because it's it's massive and so many people are watching it so what i'd say to those people is Maybe just give it a chance and just see what it's all about. For me, as an, as an esports journalist, um, obviously I have similar questions myself as well with founding members and things, and they ask me why people watch esports. And uh, for me, I'm, you two can understand this as well from watching. 
these are the best at what they do. They're the best esports players in the world. They're the best player FIFA players in the world. It's the same reason we watch sport. I, I watch football to watch Messi and Ronaldo and Hazard and De Bruyne. That's that's why I watch football and I watch FIFA esports for exactly the same reason because I want to see techs. I want to be amazed by what he's going to do next. And you're just watching the the absolute pinnacle of FIFA esports, aren't you? When when you're watching sport, and that's exactly why you why you watch any other sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, people watch golf. It's a, an individual sport where somebody hits the ball as far as they can with as much accuracy with a big stick. And people watch that. People pay to go and watch it. People, millions of people support golfers. And those same people say, oh, why would you watch someone playing it? Why would you watch someone playing FIFA when you can just go and do it yourself? It's the exact same thing with golf <laughs> because you're rubbish at it. So you want to watch the best people do it. You want to improve. People watch Rory McIlroy and watch Tiger Woods for so many years because he amazed. He did things that you couldn't even dream of doing. And that's what text does. People watch text and go, wow, I wish I could do that. And then they start watching tutorials, then they start learning and they start getting better. It's the exact same. People often say as well, why do people watch esports when you, you, you people watch football because you support a team, you're part of a, a, a firm and you're part of sort of a, a group of people who all go to matches, they all watch the football. People do that with esports events. The Overwatch League finals sold out in about six minutes. 20,000 people, uh, Barclays Arena in New York. People watch these teams. They go around the world. Um, you just saw the, the Call of Duty League finals end a couple of weeks ago. I guarantee more people probably support the Chicago Huntsman than most football fans' clubs do support in the championship. They've probably got more fans have the Chicago Huntsmen, have TSM, have 100 Thieves that are willing to part way with their cash to buy merchandise in terms of uh, not only controllers and everything like that, but player merchandise, signed stuff than most football fans would in the championship league one and league two. Uh, I generally don't think there's an argument anymore for for what you said, for people saying, oh, it's, it's not a sport. I just think it's absolutely amazing how you look at someone like Tex, who was a 16-year-old that no one knew back in Barcelona, and now he is literally like a, an icon, not just in FIFA esports, but in the whole of esports. I think if you speak to someone that's outside of FIFA esports and say, do you, do you know Tex, or have you sort of seen Tex, or you know, have you seen what he's been up to, or anything like that? People will say, yeah, I think I've heard about that Tex, and like, is he the kid that's won all these tournaments? Like, I just think it's brilliant the stories that are being developed. That's my favourite thing about esports is seeing these guys that come in with a goal and an aim to win tournaments, to play for big esports organisations or football clubs, and to achieve all of that, but more on top, these absolute sort of heroes and and global icons. Like, look at someone like Moalba, for example, won a world championship. You see the numbers that these guys get on. Twitch is absolutely ridiculous. Like hashtag was what was once upon a time hashtag I have to stop myself. Fanatic Harry. Just look how like big these guys are. And it's great for the esports scene. Like we need more of this. We need more personalities. We spoke to Colin Johnson um, of Fnatic on an earlier episode and he was talking about Tex and he was saying about how he's he's so big. He's kind of transcended FIFA esports and he, like you said, he's become an, an esports icon, not just in FIFA esports. He's he's so good. But it's interesting, Richard, that you mentioned golf because an interesting stat for anyone listening um, is that Booga, um, a 16-year-old Fortnite player from America last year, uh, he won more at the Fortnite World Cup than Tiger Woods did for winning the Masters. Yeah, and people still want to discredit it as not being a sport. I, I guarantee you probably more people watched the Fortnite World Cup as well than people watch golf 
because that event was arguably the biggest event that esports has ever sort of seen taking place um sold out arena in new york city um millions and millions of people watching online it made mainstream news i mean I'm pretty sure it didn't he end up on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy oh yeah he, he, went, he was he doing went, the rounds wasn't he in the, yeah. the American shows yeah he's a a household name is Booger and um, it's it's very much the case of again if these events do continue to take place which they will because the the revenue is continuing to increase more people are getting involved more people are buying into esports not only FIFA esports but esports as a whole the prize money is going to continue to go up the TV coverage which we're starting to see more of now, mainstream television channels putting on esports events and getting positive results back. It's on an upwards trend. And how exciting is it as well that esports is just beginning? Really, I know it's been around for it's been around for twenty years from Quake. I mean, I interviewed uh, on this podcast um, Sue Joy Roy, who was the first ever esports player, like almost twenty years ago, playing Quake. Um, but since then, it's 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 become this absolute phenomenon, like you said. But it's it's only going to get bigger, and that's so exciting for the for the future of the industry as well. Where can esports go? Is there a limit on how big it can become? Um, I mean, there's a couple of great tangents here. For example, like the Olympics were meant to host esports for the first ever time in its history this year. Of course, if coronavirus didn't happen, that would have happened. Um, that was Rocket League and uh, Street Fighter. So those were the two games that were going to be involved in at Tokyo. So the first ever time that esports is going to be at the Olympic Games, which says a lot already. You look at the biggest sporting event and esports, which is topping incredible numbers already as it is. You look at FIFA, like that's got to be um, in line for a potential conversation to be mixed into that. So how big can it be? I remember many years ago, me and Richard first got involved. I said, I reckon we'd see a Champions League for FIFA Esports. We saw that in the last few years. All the major leagues are getting involved. E-Premier League, Virtual Bundesliga. We've already done that. We've pretty much got a World Cup in the E-Nations Cup. I mean, there's so many tournaments. It is tough to sit here and look at FIFA Esports and say, what haven't we got to try and achieve yet? Uh, maybe a franchise league is all I can think. Maybe in years to come, a televised franchise league is maybe something where there's big buy-ins, there's esports organizations and there's huge football clubs involved. But to be honest, I don't know if that's honestly the way to go because it sort of stops players coming in. And financially, it could be massive in terms of teams buying in, huge sponsorships, televised and put in front of many fans. You've seen sort of COD do, you've seen Overwatch do it, some more successful than others. But I don't know about you, Rich, I just feel like in FIFA Esports, we sort of, any tournament that we could have sort of synced up to the real world, we, we sort of already have i think in terms of fifa i think the biggest struggle that it, it's had and it's looking to overcome is um earning the respect of other people not involved with fifa esports what i mean by that is it's very much discredited by a lot of other people who might only watch CSGO, might watch League of Legends, might watch Overwatch, they don't really class FIFA as a, a Tier 2 or a Tier 3 eSport. They, they say it's a lot more further down the pedestal. So I think legitimizing it, getting it more lineal, I think as well. I think the Global Series has done a great job of that, making a leaderboard, which you can always keep track of. You can see the placement changes. You have a very much a structured way of finding the 16 players who should be at the grand finals, the 64 players who should be at the playoffs. I think that is something that we're going to continue to see, and we're going to continue to see it become more structured with uh, sort of better communication as well, more transparency between teams, players, and the um competitive gaming team at EA as well. I think that will continue to improve. 
and I think for sort of general esports, like I said, it really could go anywhere. We we are seeing this upward growth. We're seeing this upward trend of more money being pumped into it, more people talking about esports, more games being made specifically for esports. Valorant, the the latest one, it was pretty much made to be a a, a CSGO killer. Like that's the the reason Valorant were made to to get more people on Valorant and um I mean it's done a great job of that. So I do think we are seeing more and more people getting involved, more and more people really buying into esports and and FIFA esports is on that same trend as well. In terms of what you said about the the FIFA esports, I think it's it's one of the most accessible esports. I mean, like you said, you if there's an event going on, it's on Twitch. You just go on it and watch it. And it's because it's football, because it's based around a real sport, right? It's it's so easy to watch because if you're a football fan, you can instantly understand what's happening. Whereas with other esports like CS:GO, for example, or League of Legends, if someone didn't know anything about esports and then turn that on, they'd be a bit confused in terms of what what that what's going on but FIFA's got to be the most accessible because it's it's based on football it's the mo- one of the most popular sports in the world so it's it, I think FIFA's got so much potential and we're only just seeing the beginnings of that really at the moment yeah 100% I think people will it's, it's a tough one for anything that mimics an actual sport like you see f1 you see uh, sort of nba um you see even cycling now as is a is believe it or not people were watching that. i think bt sport televised some sort of e-cycling for a while it's just because i think when there's such a love for a sport like football it's absolutely massive when football's not on people are playing football people are playing the next best thing which is virtual football which is fifa and you get the opportunity with ultimate team to use the best players from the from the real world on the virtual pitch to have the ability to use them and their incredible in-game stats the the prime icon moments the r9s with the five star weak foots and just having those deadly players that are so good and so clinical there's just such an interest there's a reason why it's the it's been the top selling sports game for so many years and it will continue to be so for, for so much more um and I just, yeah, I feel like for younger fans, football clubs want to entice younger fans to follow those clubs. And I think there's a couple of studies out there that FIFA, believe or not, is a great case study for why people start to support sort of certain clubs. It sounds crazy, but believe it or not, that's how some people start supporting clubs via FIFA. And so just to finish them both, because I mean, I could talk to you two for, for hours about esports and FIFA because it, it's fascinating because you've got you've got such a good view of it, being so embedded in it um, for so many years. It's, it's so good to hear some of the things you're saying. But just from your personal point of view, both Richard and Brandon, what are your kind of personal plans for the next few years? Um, you've become so big in, in FIFA esports. Where What are your ambitions now? I think for myself personally, um, continuing to, to grow up, social medias um streaming more on switch as well um and continuing to be at the forefront of of all things fifa esports really um i'm at the sort of the peak time 22 years old um hopefully we can travel to events soon uh, safely and we can start to get events back underway um not being remote but yeah, for me personally, it's just having the the time that we've had off in COVID, being stuck at home, it's made me eager to to get back out there and to get back to events and to get traveling and commentating FIFA esports. 
And what about you, Brandon? Yeah, it's the exact same as Richard. Like, it's really hard to know sort of if it's like we undoubtedly we've had like one of our sort of best years in terms of the, the amount of sort of bookings we've been able to have the amount of events we've been able to work on we've been able to work with sort of the premier league with the e premier league we've been able to just we've just been able to do so many cool and great things a lot with playstation as well which we're really grateful for and it's really tough you know i'm sure other people can explain this such as yourself Nath. like you you know we're freelancers sometimes at the end of the day so you don't know whether you're going to get two bits of work this month or you're going to get 10 bits of work this month you're sort of left in the dark at times and it's down to you to have a, a sort of a strong social media following a good network of people and to sort of present yourself in the right way to know sort of how involved you are going to be so for me it's always the first couple of months are always an interesting one when a new fifa comes out because you want to see what the season looks like and then how the season's going to look in terms of which events are going to be broadcasted how are they going to be used what talent's going to be on them and it's just yeah it's always it's, it's, it's always it's exciting as well though because you you really have that drive to to, to get bookings and to to work hard and for, for me it's just to continue this crazy ride that i'm on with richard we've got no plans to to, to go over to football as people I think think that we're doing this to sort of move into football mainstream football we have done so many amazing and brilliant things since being involved in FIFA esports and we just want to keep pushing this esport in the right direction and hopefully having a lot of fun along the way that's great thank you so much both for coming on really appreciate it it's been a fascinating episode um, really enjoyed speaking with you both and um, obviously with FIFA 21 um, due out in, in just over a week's time hopefully we'll see you guys behind the mic as soon as possible and uh, get the event started yeah it should be a great season cheers thank you very much thank you, mate. thanks Richard thanks Brandon Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon. Mm-hmm.